Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out, a podcast for high school, college, and university students about making the most out of academic life. We touch on study skills, student life, career transition, overall well-being, personal development, and other topics that impact young adults. At the end of each podcast, we send our listeners off with a short guided meditation and writing prompt. We hope that through these discussions, meditations, and writing exercises, we can build an open, caring, compassionate community that supports personal growth. I'm Lisa Fow, the founder and CEO of Fow Academic Writing, where we focus on teaching young adults the communication skills necessary to reach their full potential on the page and in life. Get into a cozy spot, grab your pen and notebooks, and let's meet our first guest. This week's episode is about the gifts that writing can provide to your mental health. Writing can be a great emotional relief, healing old wounds, providing unique insights, and enhancing personal growth. Journaling and self-reflecting are practices that I engage in daily and make a huge difference in the quality of my life. I find creative writing an amazing outlet to tap into childhood memories and expand my self-awareness. Today's guest is Lin Nguyen, a Vietnamese-Canadian writer and workshop facilitator passionate about hashtag own voices, storytelling, and creating space for underrepresented artists in mainstream media. She holds an honors BA in English from the University of Toronto and specializes in writing creative nonfiction and children's literature. Her current project is a middle grade children's portal fantasy manuscript, which she's revising for publication. Welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. You're welcome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about when you first became interested in creative writing? Yeah, for sure. So for me, I think what drew me to stories in the first place was escape. I've always been a big reader and I didn't start writing by myself until grade six, which was the year that my my father and I immigrated to Canada. So it was a pretty challenging year for uh, a number of reasons, financially, personally. Uh, My mom and my baby brother stayed behind in Hanoi that year. So uh, it was a challenging time for the family and we had a lot to adjust to in a new culture, a new country. Mm. And I wanted to escape a lot of that. So I turned to stories. I read for most of that year. Um, I read, I think, over 200 books that year. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot. And then about partway through the year, I started writing some of my own. And that was, mm. that was where it started. And kept it going until I don't think I use it as an escape anymore but that was what drew me to it in the first place so what if you read 200 books like what genres were you reading like what was your favorite book at the time (laughs) I will say I was 11 so you know when I say I read 200 books some of them were were small books (laughs) Um, (laughs) but my favorite genre was were portal fantasies uh, which is 
the type of fantasy when the main character starts in our regular world and then finds themselves in a different world through some series of circumstances. So hmm. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, yep. one, Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland. Um, those stories were always my favorite. It's definitely very drawn to, that was a big Harry Potter year as well. That was the year I discovered Harry Potter. Um, but I guess fiction provided me with the escape that I wanted and the portal fantasy in particular. It's so interesting Do you, that to me, listening to this, this seems like a metaphor for your immigrant experience. So I actually only realized that in my fourth year, my undergrad thesis was on children's portal fantasies. And I was talking with my thesis supervisor about how I've always been really drawn to them. And she was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like you moved around so much when you were a kid, like you immigrated. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> everything changed after that. But it made so much sense. And yeah, it's true. I, uh, you know, so much of the immigrant experience is is a portal fantasy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you kind of go through a portal, come mm -hmm. to a new world, mm -hmm. which you may or may not like. <laughs> you don't want to sure. go back through the portal. Exactly, yeah, for sure. It's definitely moments of both. <laughs> wow, that's cool. And now you're, now you're writing your own portal fantasy, right? I am taking it back to the roots. Um, I haven't written fiction in a while, actually, but this one spoke very strongly to me. And uh, the setting is, is based on that year. So my main character is 11 years old. Hmm. She's a Vietnamese immigrant to, to Canada as well and is relying on books and, and stories as a way to escape. Wow. Like, like I was. Write what you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Can you tell us, like, where is she going or, like, what is the portal? I mean, that would give too much away. So uh, she, she does create her own portal in some ways and finds herself uh, in a different land. And then there's a quest involved as well, which um, is... I mean, a lot of portal fantasies are, are quests, and uh, this does follow that same trajectory, but the point of the quest is maybe a little different, and I think that's as much as I can say. Oh, and when is this, any idea when, when this book is coming out? I don't have uh, a date yet, but I am working on a third rewrite right now, which is, mm. you know, taking up most of my time. Yeah. It's quite intensive, but... I'm having fun on most days. Some days are hard, but having fun on most days. And I think it's a project that needs to happen. I mean, that's the case with writing so often. It calls to you and forces you, even though you don't want to do it. So that's, that's kind of how this one felt. So, so you've already written the entire manuscript. You're just in the revision stage. I've, re I've written it twice. Yeah, I wow. wrote it. And how, like, how, how long did that take you to write the first manuscript? I actually wrote it for NaNoWriMo in 2018. So it took me a month exactly to write my, my first draft, which wow. was over 50,000 words. And then I Whoa. wrote it 
earlier this year and it came to about 35,000 words. So my third rewrite right now will probably be somewhere in between, I'm guessing. 50,000 words. So how many pages is that? 200 or something? Uh, I think just under 200. Wow. You wrote 200 pages in a month? Like, <laughs> I have students, you know, PhD dissertations aren't even that long anymore half the time. I mean, it was an awful first draft, but thank you, yes. <laughs> you must have just, like, were you just sitting down, like, writing for hours every day, or what? I mean, a lot of it is word vomit at that point, yeah. <laughs> hmm. And, and how did you then, I think a lot of people would be interested in this, how did you then sort of write that and then find a publisher, or, or did you already have that in mind, like? Like, what happened? You just were like, I need to write this story, or? Yeah, I think I just needed to get it out first. The first draft was very much about getting words on paper. And I knew it wasn't anywhere near ready for publication. I mean, to some extent, it still needs a whole lot of work. But it was after I got the full manuscript out that I was able to you know, reach out to authors and such, get, get them to give a little feedback on some of my drafts and then start submitting it to different, different places. And uh, I actually got a number of not positive responses in the sense that people are like, we're going to publish this, but positive in the sense that they were like, this is promising, here's some feedback on it, go rewrite, uh, which is very valuable at this stage. Yeah. Wow, that's um, that's amazing. Thank you. And so, had you always so before that, were you kind of just writing for fun short stories, or like, did you honestly just feel called to write this story? I felt called to write this story for several years. It's been lingering for a while before I actually put it out on paper. Mm. However, writing novels has always been the long-term dream for me. I mean, mm. obviously, you know, as a teenager, you don't grow up believing that that's a possibility, especially not in, a, in an immigrant household. Yeah. Um, but I kept coming back to it, and I tried to study other things, and I tried to do other jobs, and I kept coming back because... It just, that I think that's the way writing works sometimes. It just compels you. Yeah. Well, we did a podcast with um, a woman in the state. She has a website called The Social Commentary. And she's like retirement age. And a similar story where she's more interested in nonfiction. She wrote for the local newspaper and magazines and stuff. But she started that, you know, in her 30s. She had her kids. And then she was so busy with life and family and stuff, she wasn't able to do that as a job anymore because it didn't pay enough. And now that she's older, and she, she's in a little bit better position, her kids are grown up, she started that again with, uh, with this website. So yeah, I agree with you. There, I guess it's just, I guess, something um, inside of you you can't turn off. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I have very much felt that. And I think a lot of writers do a lot of artists do. It's like a restlessness, like the urge that you can't 
satisfy or can't look away from until you're you're out there doing what you got to do yeah so interesting wow and so and i think that's very brave and courageous like i have a story packed away but i (laughs) i can't i'm so busy helping other people write stuff (laughs) my own stuff um so i get that lingering feeling but i think something like you know and i don't know if you experienced this that i feel even though like I think I'm a pretty good writer. I mean, I'm helping other people write things. I could write all kinds of different things. But in the back of the mind of my mind, it's like, well, you're not really like an author. Like some sort of like haunting. I don't know if you're quite ready or good enough to do this. Did you experience that at all? Oh my goodness, all the time. I was so I I tried to do this third rewrite as part of NaNoWriMo for this this November, mm-hmm. and the first nine days of November, I wrote five thousand words, which is under like it's far actually under the the target that you're supposed to hit in nine days for NaNoWriMo. Um, but the words yeah, they weren't yeah. coming. Pardon? What is this thing you're your NaNoWriMo? Or? Yeah, so NaNoWriMo is um, it's not so much a program. It's just a, a website and concept. Um, the idea is to write a fifty thousand word manuscript at least okay. in one month. Wow. So you do that by writing 1,667 words every day. So that, that's how I got my first draft out in 2018. Right. And then when I was doing my third rewrite um, this year in 2020, I thought I might as well do it as part of NaNoWriMo. So I, I started off trying and it was not coming. And mm. I ended up deleting 5,000 words, which is like, hours and hours of work like a dozen hours of work and just needing to start over and I was yeah it was not not fun and like that week was a really hard week this was like two weeks ago it was a really hard week because I was reading um another author's middle grade children's books at the time um and I was like this is so effortless like I can't (laughs) write like this how does he make it so funny and so easy um and he he actually had helped me he reached he worked on uh some revisions with me over my first draft so I I had worked with him before and um I reached out to just be like hey like I'm reading your books and and they're really good. Like, you're writing so effortless. And he was like, oh, thanks. Like, I'm glad you enjoyed them. I worked really hard on them. And, and I think, like, that line just gave me the reminder that I needed that, like, you work really hard on this. And it takes a lot of rewriting and a lot of revision and a lot of time and deleting and, like, hours thinking that you're not good enough to push through and be able to make it sound as effortless as it does when it's polished. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the part that people, I mean, most of what I'm dealing with is nonfiction. But even, I mean, both are challenging. And that's something I'm always telling my students is like, I'll be helping them with the draft, you know, like maybe you could rewrite this sentence like this or that. 
and I can like just kind of like do it quick and they they'd be thinking about that sentence for quite some time um but then I remind them yeah because I've been doing this for 20 years <laughs> I've been looking at people's <laughs> essays and rewriting them and and from all different areas you know English philosophy social science even sometimes engineering papers science so you know I can grasp things fast and think about okay here's a better way to say this but that's because I've been doing this like every day for 20 years and I think that's and you know I'm sure one day it'll be every day for 50 years and I think that's something people don't think about about writing or writers is that they're practicing all the time like they may have a great story idea or a great essay idea or whatever but you have to put it on the page and then you go back and you look at it and you think okay this doesn't really make sense or this isn't smooth and you got to go back again and again and again and if you look at people over time as writers and i'm sure you know about this because you did an english degree you'll see a change in their writing right and that's partly because of the practice and it, and and just the constant kind of revising and also going out in the world and getting different experiences and, and growing and you see that reflected in their art but i think people forget about that they think like you know i should just be able to write a 10 page short story like in a day for sure. And I, I forget that too. Um, <laughs> but I do this, the concept of genius and artistic genius is always one that really rubbed me the wrong way because I've never, I've never felt it to be true. Mm. Like when I first started writing, when I was 11 years old, right. awful. <laughs> they were not good stories. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, like my first draft of my novel that I wrote two years ago, it's not good. And that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you, you practice and you do it over and over again there's no shortcut to it you just have to read and write a lot like regardless of classes which can help for sure but like there's no shortcut to it you just got to do a whole lot of it and that's i i think good art and good writing is much more about dedication than about genius or talent or whatever that means well, even the geniuses we think about, like if you think of music, like Mozart, um, Mozart had a very um, tough father who forced him to practice the piano um, rigorously every day. And certainly, you know, Mozart had a talent for music and probably a natural ability, right? But if he hadn't had that kind of parent and you and because I like to listen to CBC radio CBC music and I like classical music and they often have like stories about the um, composers and stuff right like a biography background different facts Mm -hmm. and so a lot of a lot of famous composers a lot of have some tyrannical parent but um if they hadn't forced this little kid to practice so much piano or whatever at such a young age would that person with that natural ability 
have been able to compose music. So there's, I think there's like a combination that call you're talking about, how you felt called to write the story and people feel called to make music or paint or whatever. But there's also a component of like continuous practice and learning like the, the basic skills of whatever your art is and then going out and exploring it. And, and then I think a third thing, and this is just from my observation of you and Christy and, and different people, is there also this community seems really important. And even if you look at writers, you know, post World War One, especially how they hung out in Paris together, they'd be in salons, like they would give each other feedback on their work. And so it's, it's like a constant process of practice and growth and learning and reading. And, and I think the thing why people think it's genius or it's easy is that if you love something, if you get a lot of joy out of it, of course it seems easy to the outside world, but it's still hard. It's still a struggle. Is that, has that been your experience? Absolutely. And I think from reading a lot of what different writers have to say about their own experience, which is very helpful because it makes you feel way less alone, like you said, Mm -hmm. community. Um, I think that is very much a common experience that it's still hard. Like I'm, I'm writing thousands of words every day right now. And there are days where I'm like, I, I really don't want to, and I procrastinate it. And doesn't mean that it comes easily and that I always want to be doing it all the time like that's not how anything in life works right but um yeah it's it's much more about the practice and the space and I think like part of the the talent genius that you were talking about earlier as well relates to privilege right because people with circumstances and for example supportive parents or like a financial safety net it's much easier to devote time and take those risks right yeah that's a good point um yeah and maybe that's why you know what i'm using it from examples are you know back in the day when artists would be funded by like a prince or something and that's all you would do to make music that would be very um, nice if any prince wants to fund me. <laughs> so I know another thing you're passionate about, and you know maybe it's kind of related to the character in your book, is underrepresented artists. So can you tell us a little bit what inspired that? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's honestly... Uh, <laughs> to some extent, this is going to sound bad, but I only started paying attention to this in like the past three years, I would say. Before that, I think I was still writing with a very white gaze. And what that looks like is um, my first <laughs> my first draft of this novel, actually, all of my characters were white. My main character. Huh character was white and I had to like think back after I was finished and be like why am I writing about white characters Uh, it's not my experience it's not the experience I want to portray but I was Mm -hmm. and 
there's one TED talk that really stands out to me. It's um, Shimamanda Ngozi Adichie's TED oh, talk yeah. on the, sim- the simple story. Okay. And she talks about an experience uh, she had writing an, in Nigeria yeah. as a kid and how she was writing about snow, even though she's never seen snow before. <laughs> and that was, I think, very relatable to, to my experience because that's what we, th- those are the stories that I consume. Those are the stories I read. Those are the characters I know and I'm used to seeing in portal fantasies. So it took a very intentional reflection for me to actually start bringing my identity and voice as a a Vietnamese immigrant into my work. And I think community has played a really big part in this as well, because uh, being involved with Project 40 Collective and uh, with some of the work that uh, Christy has done, who I actually met through Project 40 Collective, some of the work that we've done together has been about uplifting underrepresented voices. And it they've they've all been teaching me how to foreground identity in my work and that's that's something I've learned from others that's something I've learned from exposure because in I majored in English in university but the vast vast majority of authors that we read were white and it took me so long like after graduating so long to realize that like Hemingway's not the be all end all of good writing and not all good writers sounds like that and not all good writers tell those themes and it's really important to see stories of people who look and sound like you when you're growing up otherwise you end up adopting the dominant gaze which is what I did and I had to break myself out of it in a lot of ways that's so interesting so you so exposure to other artists who were maybe more grounded in presenting their identity in their art helped you and i i found it really interesting and important that you said you know i studied english but all these authors were white and they're probably a, a lot of them white guys Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then you sort of came to this realization that, you know, this character is not me. <laughs> so, I mean, other than, or maybe this was the primary reason, like, the narratives in, in our Canadian Western culture, what else was kind of holding you back from creating your art and expressing your voice from your own lived experience? I think to some extent it was just that it didn't occur to me. It didn't come naturally, hmm. which is a very strange thing, strange. but it, it <laughs> didn't come naturally um, because that's not what I was used to, to seeing or hearing. And I, I had to tune into that and that example from from editors and from other artists that I admired encouraged me to tune into that in myself. So 
very much so representation and mentorship really matters. Do you think it actually did come naturally, but then over the course of going through the education system and reading all these different books, you kind of lost that voice or that kind of inclination to write about your own experience? Because you think as a small kid, like even really small kids, like before they read books, like toddlers, whatever, I mean, they tell stories, we call them lies, but they, they are very creative at making up stories. But those stories are, are, are usually based on what's around them, what they experience, and, you know, maybe some fabricated, like, not too crazy, like, oh, I swam under the swimming pool water and I ate a watermelon. Like, I mean, kind of ridiculous, but something they, they've experienced. So it seems unusual that you would feel more comfortable writing in someone else's voice. <laughs> I think that depends on the individual and why they're writing to some extent, because as I mentioned earlier, for me, it was always about escape. So mm -hmm. I was writing things that were beyond my live experience because I was writing what I wanted to insert myself into. So for example, the first story that I can remember writing, I was seven, this was before I started intentionally writing, um, was for girls living on a, on a ranch. I loved horses, <laughs> I still do. Um, and and they, were, they were horse girls. Um, and I hadn't ridden a horse. I do horses are expensive and that was not within my experience but that was what I was writing about so I think the escape factor combined with um, being a person of color who just wanted to fit in mm. erased that for me very quickly mm. yeah that's what I was gonna say because you said you wanted to escape so in a way by unconsciously writing your character as a white little girl you're trying to escape your own identity for sure yeah i think that was definitely part of it it's interesting um so you have a lot of cool stuff going on you have this book you're trying to help other artists to feel more represented and have a voice but do you have any other um interesting projects going on i know you you do some of your own writing workshops. Yeah, so my writing workshops are for everyone and I've had a really fun time doing them so far. They focus on writing as a tool for self-reflection and it's that process is about you know tuning into community, to creativity and finding that writing voice within yourself which i think everyone has um but you know we don't always make space for it to come out so i've had a really good time doing those and then the bulk of uh my creative focus right now is on my novel hmm. so what kind of inspired you to start these workshops that are related to writing for self-care to some extent the pandemic did motivate that because 
I think we all need it right now and we all need the writing and community as well. I was inspired by other artists who are doing similar things uh, like Justine Yu from Living Hyphen and Christy. And it's something that I've been thinking about for a while, but never had you know, the time or energy to actually put into practice because you know, the full-time job and all, which I recently left in October. Mm-hmm. So once that cleared up space, both mentally as well as time-wise, I was able to put it into practice. And I found that a lot of it came really naturally because I did major in this. So I have done a lot of writing classes in my life. And I've also spent the past 14 years of my life writing fairly regularly and seriously. So it came, it came easily to hold that space. And I've had a lot of fun doing it. What's, what's the difference between like a writing workshop, say like Christie's where people are doing poetry or one of mine where we're doing just like different creative writing techniques or essay writing between what you're trying to do with the self-care like can you give us an example of something you would do sure um so i think maybe the biggest difference is in intention i don't focus on technique as much in my my self-care ones i i have run a couple others where it's more about you know developing your voice in which case the technicalities of writing come in a bit more but the self-reflection ones the self-care ones are more about drawing out feelings and making space for feelings and the goal is not to have nicely written words like I, I don't want people well I mean if they do that's great but like my my goal is not to have people coming out of my workshop being like I wrote a beautiful thing that I'm proud of it's more that they come out of the workshop being like oh I'm really good about like how I tuned into myself and like I feel more grounded in myself right now so what what I usually do is like I focus on a theme so I did joy and strength in October and the goal like success for me was people coming out being like I felt like I feel strong I felt like I tuned into my strength Mm. rather than I produced right so I mean so like what would be like an activity or prompt or something that people would have had in that workshop so for my joy one I used some quotes um by Ocean Vuong who's a wonderful writer Uh, to focus on on some of those themes and then for strength I use some quotes by Audre Lorde Um, for strength one of the prompts was uh, my space of strength so that one was a pretty successful one that people responded to well and were able to come out of it feeling grounded and strong So would they be like journaling or you have a, like maybe making lists or like talking? Yeah, a bit of, a bit of both. There's definitely sharing as well. I think the community aspect is really important in my workshops because it feels good and affirming to have your work validated. 
and be able to share and appreciate other people's art. So that is something that I do try to emphasize in, in my workshops. Um, I encourage people to take it however they want to take it. So if they want to do lists and such, that's cool. If they want to write fiction, nonfiction, that's up to them. Mm. I do try to encourage people to, to write for the full amount of time allotted. So I do a series of prompts and uh, time them and they write within that time. Um, yeah, so that's, that's mainly how it works. And I still tweak things here and there. So it depends a bit on the theme. It depends a bit on the day and the workshop and the energy of the room too. Like you, you yeah. know how people are feeling. Wow, that sounds really cool. Thank you. Thank you. So, I mean, you've been doing this now in some capacity, 15 years, writing, exploring, teaching others, reading, mm -hmm. reading much longer, like more than 15 years, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, so you must have, if in one year you read 200 books, even if they were short, you must know a lot of books. So <laughs> what... <laughs> books, maybe narrow it down to three, um, would you recommend to listeners who are interested in the writing process? Or, I mean, if you have two of those and maybe like your favorite portal fiction, I don't know, like which books would you recommend? Um, I would say Bird by Bird by Anne yeah, it's a great book. Also, her chapter on shitty first drafts changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like Sense of Style by Steven Pinker as well. It's a more it's a more technical stylistic one, but I, I enjoyed it. It was really interesting to read. And On Writing Well mm. by William Sincer. And that one is a bit more tailored towards creative nonfiction, but there's stuff that can be applied to, to anything. And his chapters on clarity and simplicity, those really stand out and also made a big impact on my writing. Okay. Wow, great. I would say also, though, that um, reading, I think, because all three of those people were white, so reading diversely is super important in helping you to write and there's nothing that replaces that and there's nothing that replaces knowing your genre well by reading a lot of it yeah well thanks for those three recommendations and thanks for coming on our podcast that was really fun it was thank you so much for having me you're welcome so how can people find out more about you my website is linsguen.com, so that's L-I-N-H-S-N-G-U-Y-E-N.com. All my socials are on there. I have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash lynnwrites, and I have Instagram and Twitter and all of those fun things as well, so that's on my website that you can find. On okay, great, and we'll put those links when we post this. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for being with us, Lynn. Thank you. And um, stay tuned for a short meditation and writing exercise.
this breathing meditation, you will focus on your breath. This will calm your mind and relax your body. There is no right or wrong way to meditate. Whatever you experience during breathing meditation is right for you. Don't try to make anything happen, just observe. Begin by finding a comfortable position, but one in which you will not fall asleep. Sitting on the floor with your legs crossed is a good position to try. Close your eyes or focus on one spot in the room. Roll your shoulders slowly forward and then slowly back. Lean your head from side to side, lowering your left ear towards your left shoulder and then your right ear toward your right shoulder. Relax your muscles. Your body will continue to relax as you meditate. Observe your breathing. Notice how your breath flows in and out. Make no effort to change your breathing in any way. Simply notice how your body breathes. Your body knows how much air it needs. Sit quietly, seeing in your mind's eye your breath flowing gently in and out of your body. When your attention wanders, as it will, just focus back again on your breathing. Notice any stray thoughts, but don't dwell on them. Simply let the thoughts pass. See how your breath continues to flow, deeply, calmly. Notice the stages of a complete breath. From the in-breath, to the pause that follows, the exhale, and the pause before taking another breath. See the slight breaks between each breath. Feel the air entering through your nose. Picture the breath flowing through the cavities in your sinuses and then down to your lungs. As thoughts intrude, allow them to pass and return your attention to your breathing. See the air inside your body after you inhale, filling your body gently. Notice how the space inside your lungs becomes smaller after you exhale and the air leaves your body. Feel your chest and stomach gently rise and fall with each breath. Now as you inhale, count silently, one. As you exhale, count, one. Wait for the next breath and count again, one. Exhale, one. Inhale, one. Exhale, one. Continue to count each inhalation exhalation as one. Notice how your body feels. See how calm and gentle your breathing is and how relaxed your body feels. Now it is time to gently reawaken your body and mind. Keeping your eyes closed, notice the sounds around you, feel the floor beneath you, feel the clothes against your body, wiggle your fingers and toes, shrug your shoulders, open your eyes and remain sitting for a few moments longer 
Straighten out your legs and stretch your arms and legs gently. Sit for a few moments more, enjoying how relaxed you feel and experiencing your body reawaken and your mind returning to its usual level of alertness. Slowly return to standing position and continue with the rest of your day feeling re-energized. tuning in to that lovely interview with Lynn about being a writer and I also hope you're feeling relaxed you have your pen and your paper in hand and you're ready for a short writing exercise so I happen to also have the book that Lynn mentioned bird by bird by Anne Lamont it is a really great book for budding writers and I just turned to chapter two, which is called Short Assignments. And the whole premise of the chapter is that starting a writing project can be overwhelming. And this goes for any project, whether it's an essay or it's writing a novel, because we see all the work in front of us and we imagine getting all of it done all at once. And so something I tell my students, and I'm sure something that that program that Lynn mentioned in the podcast does is to break down your writing into small chunks. Now that program that Lynn mentioned, it breaks it down by word count, but what you could also do is break it down into a small assignment, as Anne Lamont says. So maybe you're just going to write a description today. Maybe you want to finish the first part of a chapter maybe if you're writing an essay you just want to get the first paragraph done so my the first thing i want you to do is less about writing and more about visualizing and planning so i want you to take a moment take out your notebook think of a writing project that you're working on or you hope to work on in the future and break it down into some chunks so if you're writing an essay it might be like introduction literature review, um, sections of your paper, conclusion, break it into chunks. If you're working on a short story, maybe there's parts of the story, like the kind of setup of the story, um, the first conflict that the character meets, all the way up to the climax, the following action, the conclusion, you can break it into chunks like that. Or if it's a novel, maybe it's chapters. Maybe you're doing a bunch of short chapters. Or maybe it's as simple as a description of the setting or a description of the character or maybe a short poem. Whatever you're working on, no poems, I mean, usually they're short at the beginning, but even it can be different revisions of the same poem. So whatever you're working on, take a moment, maybe about a minute or two, and write down in your journal, what are the parts of this writing project? So you can pause the podcast, set a timer for a couple minutes, do that activity. And now that you have your list, uh, what I want you to do is to choose an item on that list. Maybe let's say it's a description of the setting. So that's what you want to do. 
And I want to give yourself a due date or a time limit to work on that thing. So if it's a description of a setting, I mean like first draft of that, you might even just give yourself a time limit of say eight to 10 minutes and see what you come up with for a first draft. If it's something longer with a like a chapter, maybe you want to give yourself a couple hours. I think timing really helps to push people who struggle with procrastination. So we're going to try that right now. I want you to choose a shorter piece of your project and to time yourself for eight to 10 minutes and just work on it, write about it. Don't worry about it being perfect, but just put your pen to your to the paper or, and get those ideas down. So you might want to pause the podcast and set your timer. And finally, what I want you to do is give yourself two to three minutes and reflect on how did that make you feel to break this daunting project into chunks? How did it make you feel to get some work done on it? So actually reflect on that. What went well, what didn't? Give yourself two to three minutes. And um, really get in touch with the process. So I wanna thank everyone for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to find out more about BOW Academic Writing, you can check us out on our website, www.bow.ca, or follow us on social media at BOW underscore Academic Writing, or on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course you can check out our website every week. We post twice. We post our podcast, this podcast you're listening to, and also a shorter article interview with the guest that lists the resources like the books that they mention. And you can also sign up for our newsletter, which is on the website. It's totally free and we have some great offers in there. We are here to help you to become better writers. So if you need any extra support with your academic studies or writing skills, send us a message anytime. We look forward to helping you reach your full potential on the page and in life.